Jenny's house. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> do you do you guys remember when the pilot happened? April 2018. <gasps> oh. oh. Has yeah. it been that long already? It's been a I year. Know. It's been a year. Oh my god! It it doesn't seem like it should have been that long, but it. I have was. no accomplishments since then. <laughs> it keeps on slipping, slipping, slipping. I, yeah. Into the future. Um. Today, Carl Danielson, Jenny Gutbazal, and Jacqueline Weatherby talk about books, movies, weird apartments, and hellscape survival techniques. This is the Unreliable Narrator Theater Group's podcast. I feel like we're in a time where people don't like irony as much because you can't tell it from, uh, from uh, on the internet, you can't tell it from anything else. From right. the hellscape in which we live. From the hellscape in which right. we live. <laughs> we're all living in but, an Alanis Morissette song and we don't realize it's not actually ironic. And that's the irony! <laughs> and with our last breath, don't we will whisper, think. don't you? Like, I really strongly like the 90s aesthetic. I was born mm-hmm. in 1990, so I was barely around for the 90s. Mm-hmm. Sorry, everyone. I always make people sad when I say that. Um, but No, no, but, that just means you're going to be alive longer in this hellscape. We're oh, yeah. yeah. I was born in 64. I've done a whole lot of real... I did so <laughs> much awesome shit before you guys were born. It's not even funny. Mm-hmm. So as the world is slowly destroying itself and it will implode upon itself within 10 years, you guys won't have gotten to do half the stuff I've done. So I don't feel bad. Go oh, ahead. hell yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, this is the weekend of the, the Independent Film Festival of Boston, mm-hmm. and I got to see uh, Jennifer Kent's new movie on Friday, the uh, follow-up to The Babadook. Mm. And uh, it's about colonialism in Australia. An Irish woman, a native man, uh, a big, a big uh, cluster of British assholes, mm. uh, sexual violence... Is that the name of a, a group uh, of British assholes? Is a cluster? Is that uh, the... <laughs> it's a, a, mur- a murder of British a assholes? Of assholes. <laughs> a colonialism yeah. of British assholes. <laughs> if anybody ever sees just one crow and goes, "Could it be?" It's <laughs> <laughs> attempted murder. <laughs> oh man! Uh, oh, is spe- a single what? crow just a manslaughter? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> I think a single crow is an unindicted co-conspirator. <laughs> but oh, oh, oh! You guys, you guys, you guys! Have you guys seen us? Yes. Yeah. So, uh, good. so here's my fantasy. I want Lupita to be nominated for both best actress and best supporting actress. Yes, yes, for yes, us. yes, 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 yes. I didn't, I didn't, I hadn't thought of that until you said it just now, and now I want nothing more in the world. Yes, 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 yes. I just recently started reading. Um, a great book, dang, I can't remember the name of the author, called Lovecraft Country. Mm-hmm. Um, oh my god, that's the next movie he's going to make, right? Um, I don't know, but what the book, it, it, it makes perfect sense if it is. I have not heard this, but it would make perfect sense for Jordan Peele to do it. Basically, what it is, is, I don't know how familiar you are with Lovecraft. He is, not, not very. I, know I live in Salem. He's, he's <laughs> wonderful at, at this horror world building. He is a god-awful writer, and he is a racist creep. And Lovecraft Country, it's basically a Lovecraftian world, only it's set in 1950s, maybe even a little earlier, Jim Crow South. And 
basically the Lovecraftian horror and the racism go hand in hand and the racism is frankly more terrifying. And he's a good writer. So if Jordan Peele is making a movie out of it, that is certainly a match made in heaven. I did not know this. A friend of mine lent it to me because I'm, the two of us are going to be doing a weekend long Lovecraft based puzzle event in a couple of months. And the main female character had the best, I'm not going to say what it is because I want to spoil it. Ghost trying to kill her, spirit, sure. demon trying to kill her, uh, comes up with the, just the greatest response to the ghost. And I'm just like, oh, that is good. <laughs> it's one of those oh, lines yeah. where you have to like put the book, you close yeah. it, put it down, and go have like a cigarette. Yeah. And then I'm like, if I am ever haunted by a ghost, I am sick. <laughs> so. I, you know, so back in the, Carl, you might remember that because I think that we were still working together when this happened. I was a, uh, I was a LARPer for a, a couple of years. And during three of those years, I played a game which was set in the Lovecraft universe, kind of. It was like, mm. it was like not Lovecraft, you know? <laughs> where there was like a tattered king right. and a spooky uh, celestial being that was incomprehensible, you know, like, but it was definitely Lovecraft, but like we couldn't actually call it that mm. sort of. Um, and during that time, like uh, for research purposes, cause you know, his, his, um, he wasn't like a prolific writer, but he wrote a lot of stuff. Um, and so sometimes for, for like research, we would get together and we would read, um, like my friends and I would, would read some of his stories. And, um, we had this, this code whenever, barely a code, whenever we would come across something that was astoundingly racist. Um, and so we would, we would look up from the book and we would go, Jesus Christ, Howard. And the rest of the room would go, I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) You were right. Jordan Peele is doing a dramatization of it for HBO. Oh, fuck yeah. Take all of my money. (laughs) This podcast is not brought to you by Casper Mattresses. No. And since the majority of podcasts are, this puts us at a disadvantage. But it can't be helped. The fact is, for us to accept Casper money, we would have to talk in very personal terms, about how we use and enjoy the product. And the truth is that I don't sleep on a Casper mattress. I can't buy a new mattress every time Carl starts a podcast. Yeah. To be honest, I don't know how often you're supposed to change your mattresses anyway. I spend all my money on these new pop mics. Although really, I guess I've never checked what kind of mattress I have, so from a strictly evidentiary point of view, I don't know that my mattress isn't a Casper mattress. I mean, anything could be a Casper anything, right? This table could be a Casper table. That Amelie poster could be a Casper Amelie poster. You know, think of all those podcasters who use Casper mattresses. Sure, it's a nice chunk of change every week, but it's precipitated by you buying a whole new mattress at the beginning of the relationship. It would take weeks to get out of that kind of financial hole. And that's if you succeed. What if you release like five episodes and then suddenly get busy? And eventually your audience replaces you with a movie-by-minute podcast for Flight of the Navigator. What then? (laughs) Compliance indeed. The more I think about this, the more I realize that Casper Mattress podcast ads are an unsustainable business model, and it's bound to collapse, much like MoviePass and Sears. I'm glad I chose the more reliable business model of not getting paid at all. But reliably. And yet it must be said, everyone thinks Casper mattresses are pretty great. Not that I would know. Yeah, I'll sleep on anything that doesn't move. Really, as long as it's not a mattress where one of the springs sticks out jaggedly and I wake up at 3 a.m. lying right on it and I have a backache for days, it's cool with me. I would also sleep on a dragon, but only if it wanted me to. One thing I miss as an old person 
is Yahoo groups. No, no. And I was but this this is but before the internet. This is I'm talking this like 70s maybe. Um that local radio TV and radio stations even in big cities like New York. Like there was WNET was Channel 11 in New York and it was just in New York. And they would have so much fun selecting the timing of the ads. And I will never forget watching The Little Girl Who Lives Down the Lane. Do you ever see that? It's a movie with Jodie Foster. She's probably like 11 or 12 when the movie came out and she murdered her mother. You know, I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. Sorry, spoiler. It's fine. But um, (laughs) she killed her by putting uh, arsenic. Is it arsenic that tastes like almonds? I think it's arsenic. Putting arsenic in her tea and feeding her almond cookies so that she wouldn't taste it. It's the perfect crime. <laughs> and immediately after this, there was an ad for Celestial Seasons Tea. <laughs> with a couple having a having a dinner in the middle of the woods, in the middle of nowhere, and the husband is serving almond-flavored tea. And oh it was my God. just like, whoever picked, scheduled the ads for this is having such a good time. <laughs> So there is something that our wonderful president said the other day that was blatantly false. Oh, I think I saw this. Not not on Facebook, but I think I saw this. But a, a lot of people have been reposting this statement that he said, saying, isn't it horrible that he said this? Mm-hmm. I didn't hear him say it because I don't listen to his damn press conferences, but I've now seen this statement about a dozen times. And it's making me feel like somebody's going... Did you hear what Tiffany said? Tiffany mm-hmm. is so mean. Tiffany said that Jessica has a drinking problem and that's she cheated on the math test because of that. Isn't Tiffany awful for saying these lies? You're now spreading the rumor that Jessica's an alcoholic and a cheat, despite the fact that you're doing it by saying that Tiffany was lying by saying it. Mm-hmm. And there's tons of research that shows if you hear something enough times, even if you hear it every single time framed as this is a lie, you start to forget the context and you just remember the gist of it. Yeah. And oh, yeah, you, you know, that it's true. They had mentioned that that happens a lot in the Facebook moderator yeah. call centers where yeah. like they have to go and they have to watch people like, you know, s- spread things like you know holocaust denial flat earth bullshit Mm -hmm. and um after a little while like some of them start to buy into it Mm because they just stare at it all day long Mm -hmm. i think it's also platform based because because um on on twitter i think which you know just i'm of the official stance that the guy who runs twitter is a white supremacist Mm -hmm. um it's built into the platform that even if you don't uh retweet it even if you don't a lot of people actually have turned it into an art to mm-hmm. respond to a tweet that they don't link to mm-hmm. because it's become so popular that everyone has seen it anyway. So mm-hmm. they don't link mm-hmm. to it. They just sort of casually allude to it. Mm-hmm. So I've seen lots of things on Twitter that I've seen like 50 people respond to the same thing, but I don't see that thing at mm-hmm. all. Right. Um, <laughs> I see is... a lot of backlashes to things I don't see or occasionally yeah. backlashes to backlashes yeah. that I haven't seen either <laughs> yeah. the backlash or the original thing. Oh yeah. Oh, but, but the thing is on Twitter, they, they have, this thing where even if you don't link to it sometimes twitter knows what you're talking about and we'll sort of put it there anyway but but that's 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 mostly in the in the in the sense of like somebody that you know responded to this tweet so now you have to see the parent tweet 
that it is from. So sometimes I'll see uh, tweets from the, you know, official president's Twitter account. And I'm like, I know I don't follow that. So why is it here? Oh, it's because somebody that I know responded to it, to which I'm kind of of the same mind as you. Like, why are you even responding? He doesn't give a fuck, you know? There's ways you can link to stuff such that they don't get the click from the link. Mm -hmm. So you can still look at stuff, but there's like, you know, Mm -hmm. there's like seven proxies you're going to jump through Mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, I don't, it seems like so much work to avoid getting like Mm -hmm. indoctrinated, you know? Uh, let's start with moving. Moving. So this is this is obviously a, a parody of my recent apartment search. So uh, what do you like about Star Wars? Uh, I like Captain Phasma. Good answer. Good answer. I'm an uncar plot man myself. Sup, dog. Sup. So how many people live here? Infinity. You have infinity roommates. Yeah, this apartment rests on a dimensional nexus on the space-time continuum. All roommates in Boston live here at some point. I'd show you the math, but I'm too lazy. Sup, dog? Sup? If you have infinity roommates, how can you remember their names? Because I'm the one who collects rent checks every month. Hey! Hey! I think Art's girlfriend is stealth moving in. Anyway, one side effect of having an infinite roommate policy is that literally anyone can live here. Rooms appear and disappear like Brigadoon. You need to bring a lasso, and the first one you grab is yours. So you need to get a lasso, but you can get one real cheap at tags. And also we need a deposit of, like, 800. What's the total rent? It can't be expressed in traditional mathematics. You should just trust the tradition. Well, I think I'll keep looking, but it sure is nice to have a good safety. Suit yourself. Sup. Sup! Wait a minute, that guy's not a roommate. He's just stealing our shit. Come back here. It was listed as having been built in like 1950. And I was like, no. <laughs> no, 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 no. Too recent? Absolutely not. No. I was like, unless there was, I don't know, a colonial revival in 1950. <laughs> um, and then when we got it inspected, the inspector guy came in and was like, uh, yeah, so I don't know what to tell you, but uh, in the basement, there is an authentic Tudor beam. If you don't know what that means, that means it was um, like a hand-carved ceiling beam put in in the late 1600s. And also, there's flood damage. And also, the house is on a hill. Oh, God. <laughs> So you don't live in a flood zone, there is flood damage, and also it's like a poured concrete foundation? Concrete didn't exist in the 1600s? What the fuck is going on with this house? So like, so like, theoretically, it should not exist. (laughs) Just, it it, it does. It it is unstuck from time, yeah. Let others use the tenant-finding process for mere commerce. We want to rent to someone who will challenge us intellectually. What do you think you have to offer in that sphere? Well, the heater failed, so my landlord finally decided to do all the repairs he's been putting off for years, so he just kicked everyone out and went condo. What else would I be looking for a place for, you know? But but isn't that what Kierkegaard would have done? Hmm. Hmm. Fascinating. <laughs> I think we'd love for you to join our happy little family. But there were three reasonable ground rules. Fire away. Well, first of all, You can't use the kitchen or the laundry room. What? The bathroom's okay. (laughs) I mean, this is just for us. You know, we have to live our lives. 
How does one eat in that situation? There's a Godfather's pizza two blocks away. The second rule is that we have to have absolute quiet on Wednesday nights. That's the night when we host a book club. A book club which happens to believe that Cliff and I are reincarnated alien gods with the keys to eternal life. Maybe you'd like to join us some night. You're a cult, aren't you? No, 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 no. We fail at least three of the ten warning signs of a cult. At least? Well, I don't care how desperate I am. I'm not going to live with, in, or around a cult. Good day. What's the third one, just in case? Vow of silence for the first 30 days. Good to know. And also you can find me in these streets. Specifically the streets of Boston, because that is where I work. <laughs> Not neath the streets of Boston, where you'll never return. No, you'll never return. <laughs> no, my fate Jackie is still... on the MBTA. My, <laughs> my fate is still unlearned. <laughs> <laughs> plot hole in that, and if her, his wife could hand him a darn sandwich, she couldn't give him a nickel to get out of the train? Oh, is that a I plot think... hole, Jenny? <laughs> Are you sure maybe she didn't want to give him the nickel? <laughs> yeah, I think there was more to the story. <laughs> I think hear. she could have perfectly well given him that nickel and chose not to. And he knew it, Jenny. Yeah. What I want to know is, was she giving him almond-flavored Celestial Seasons tea? That seems like a much more effective way of getting rid of an unwanted spouse. I, I love the idea that Charlie's wife is just keeping him alive out of spite. <laughs> <laughs> that, that whole song is set in the Us universe. <laughs> Charlie is tethered. Rabbits all running up and down the, the track. I that makes me so happy. You have no idea the thought of Charlie on the MTA taking place in the in the Us universe. I am gonna like go home skipping. That is so. <laughs> If you have remarks on things mentioned in this episode, send them to unreliablenarratorpodcast at gmail.com. Today's episode featured Carl Danielson, Jenny Gutbazal, and Jacqueline Weatherby. Copyright 2019. Visit unreliable-narrator.com or Twitter at unarrator. narrator